The rest of us are going to turn to Psalms chapter 26. Psalm chapter 26. Psalm chapter 26. And I want to wish Mr. Simmons a happy birthday today. And Mrs. Engel a happy birthday today. And, uh, and then Matthew and Emily, their first wedding anniversary today. And so thankful that uh, they made it a year without hurting each other. And praise the Lord for that. And uh, they had a COVID wedding a year ago right now. As you know, we were limited in numbers and we couldn't have a dinner or anything like that. So they're actually going on their honeymoon this week. And so they've not had a honeymoon yet because they used their two weeks off work last week to quarantine. They came to Canada and quarantined before they got married, so they didn't have any more time off. So now they're on vacation for a couple weeks, and they're going all kinds of places, I guess, down in the south. But they, they were, uh, we're glad that they were able to share uh, Thanksgiving with us. So Psalm chapter 26, Psalm chapter 26, an attitude of thanksgiving, an attitude of of Thanksgiving. Let me ask you this morning, how is your attitude? You know, our attitude is expressed in a lot of different ways, isn't it? But often, if we have a poor attitude or a bad attitude, it comes across that we are ungrateful. Think about that. We aren't thankful for what God has put in our lives. The Apostle Paul said this, I have learned, therefore, whatsoever state I am in, to be content. Because he was grateful. He said, I've learned to be abased. I've learned to be hungry. I've learned to be filled. It just doesn't matter what comes my way. I'm going to be thankful. So our attitude is very, very important. Let's look at Psalm chapter 26. And uh, I wasn't clever enough to, to think of the rhyme, an attitude of gratitude. But I see that every preacher in America is preaching that today, an attitude of gratitude. But I'm preaching an attitude of thanksgiving uh, because thanksgiving is a Bible word. So you tell all those preachers that rhymed their little sermon title, you tell them the word thanksgiving's in the Bible, amen? We're a Bible-preaching church. And so let's look at Psalm chapter 26, and I'm thankful for all those preachers nonetheless. Judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in mine integrity. I have trusted also in the Lord, therefore I shall not slide. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins and my heart. For thy loving kindness is before mine eyes, and I have walked in thy truth. I have not sat with vain persons, neither will I go in with dissemblers. I have hated the congregation of evildoers and will not sit with the wicked. I will wash mine hands in inanency, so I will compass thine altar, O Lord, that I may publish with the voice of thanksgiving and tell, all, and tell of all thy wondrous works. Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house of thy house and the place where thine honor dwelleth. Gather not my soul with sinners, nor my life with bloody men, in whose hands is mischief, and their right hand is full of bribes. But as for me, I will walk in mine integrity. Redeem me and be merciful unto me. My foot standeth in an even place in the congregation. Will I bless the Lord? Let's look back at verse 7 this morning, and this will be our key text as we look at this idea and attitude of thanksgiving, that I may publish with the voice of thanksgiving and tell of all thy wondrous works. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we praise you and thank you for all that you've done in our lives. We pray that you would help us this morning. Lord, perhaps we need our attitude tweaked a little bit. Perhaps we woke up this morning in quite a mood. Lord, not thankful for what God has done for us. I pray that you would work on our hearts. 
But we know for that to take place, the Holy Spirit must move. So I surrender and ask that you'd fill me, Lord. I thank you, Lord, already for the choir and the ensemble, the congregational singing. The Lord has touched my heart, and I pray, Lord, that it would move uh, in our hearts to the point where we are soft and tender and ready to receive from the Holy Spirit of God today. Speak to us through your word, and Lord, we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. An attitude. An attitude. We don't usually even consider the word attitude until somebody has a bad one. Have you ever noticed that? We, uh, we, we talk about somebody come along and they kind of harsh on our face and they want to argue. Maybe they're argumentative. Maybe they're pushing back a little bit. And, and the thing that pops into our head is you have a bad attitude. An attitude is just kind of that essence that comes out of us. It's how we are expressing ourselves in a public manner. And the Bible encourages us in this way that we are to have an attitude of thanksgiving at all times. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In everything. It doesn't say, by the way, it doesn't say for everything. I'm here to tell you today, I'm not thankful for some things. I'm not thankful for cancer. But I'm praying and hoping that if I ever had cancer, that in that situation, I could still be thankful. The Bible says, in everything, give thanks. I'm not thankful for other situations that arise in my life, for stress and burdens and cares and sorrows and griefs. Uh, But I want to know that in those situations, that I know the Lord and I'm walking close enough with him, that in everything, I can give thanks. That has to do with our attitude. You say, well, preacher, are you always successful? No, i got to admit I'm not. There's times where I get frustrated, and there's times where I can get angry, and there's times where I want to push back against a situation that I'm not happy about. But the Bible still commands us in everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. I want you to notice this morning that our attitude might be right or must be right in three areas. Now, there might be more than that, but we'll take the time to examine three. I want you to notice, first of all, we must have the right attitude of thanks when expressing his praise. When expressing his praise. Let let me say it this way. Thankfulness and praise go hand in hand. You cannot separate them. If you're sitting in a pew this morning and you're kind of grumpy and you're not really thankful for things and you just say, well, I wish it were different. I, you know, my family didn't come to see me. I look around and people got family sitting with them and others got a big turkey dinner tomorrow and I can't afford a turkey dinner and I'm just angry about it. And you stand up and say, praise him, praise him. Your heart doesn't match your lips. You're just giving lip service to God. Praise and thankfulness always go hand in hand. We cannot truly praise God unless our heart is thankful for what he has done. And I would encourage you, and I've mentioned before, please, 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 before we ever arrive at the church house, before we ever pick up a hymn book, before we ever open our lips in praise, we must plead and beg with God that our hearts are right and clean and that we have examined what he has done for us and we are right in his presence that we might praise him and worship him in spirit and in truth. Our hearts must be right and thankful for what he's done. Romans 12 puts it this way. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. Have you ever stopped to think about that? Let let me put it in my layman's English. I am begging you in the light of all that God has done for you. I beseech you, 
Therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, everything he's done for you, to present your bodies a living sacrifice. You'll notice this morning that the, uh, David, as he writes these psalms, he refers to our praise as a sacrifice of thanksgiving. We are to give ourselves to him. When we are expressing our praise, I want you to notice in Psalm chapter 26, first of all, we are thankful for his wondrous works. If we are going to have an attitude of thanksgiving, we must take the time to do as the old hymn says and count our many blessings. I like what the author impresses upon our heart in that song. Count them one by one or name them one by one. The Bible does not say, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God. It says by the mercies, plural. He wants us to count each one as a mercy that he has extended into our life. And we are expressing his praise. We are thankful for his wondrous works. Look what it says in chapter 26 and verse 7. That I may publish with the voice of thanksgiving and tell of all thy wondrous works. We often think of God in a big, big sense. And he is a big, big God. He is creator of the universe. I have a little app on my phone. I, I really enjoy it. It's called Skyview. I think that's what it's called, Sky Tracker or Skyview. And I can look in the sky, and when the stars are up, I, I love walk, looking at the stars. I, as a kid, I remember laying in grass and watching the stars. I loved it. When we were kids, we traveled out to the west to see family, and uh, we stopped in Winnipeg, and we were there at the White Sides. And I remember that night laying there, and the skies were so clear you could see satellites cross. It was incredible. But I have this little app and I can hold it to the sky and I can point it at a star and it'll tell me what that star is. We've been able to watch Jupiter for several months now over here uh, in, the, in the south, kind of southeast a little bit, we've, or southwest. We've been able to watch Jupiter come across and it's been really neat to see. And then Saturn is tucked up there near Jupiter and, and you can just get a glimpse of it on some clear nights. Over here is Neptune more, but we have not been able, it's so tiny you cannot see it, but we know it's there. I love to see all the kind. My God made that. And they get in these rocket ships and they send them off at a million miles an hour and they travel for years and years and they still can't even scratch the surface of what God has made. He is creator God. But I want you to know as the psalmist talks about the wondrous works of God, he knew he was creator God and he knew how big the earth was, but he had no clue how big the universe was. There were no telescopes. There was no space exploration. I believe when David writes this psalm, he's talking about the things that God has done for him personally. The wondrous works that have taken place in his lives. And friends, if we're going to be thankful to God, we have to examine those works and count our many blessings and name them one by one. Look at verse 1. The Bible says, judge me, O Lord. Judge me, O Lord. Look at verse 2. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. How many of you are willing right now to say to God, judge me and examine me? God, look in my heart. God, I, I need you to go in and find all that stuff that's milling around in there and that's hindering my relationship with you. Examine me and judge me. And notice this. You say, why, why would David? David had committed adultery. David had committed murder. How could David say these things to God? Because of what verse 3 says, for thy loving kindness. Is before mine eyes. David understood this. God is so merciful and so gracious that we can come to him with anything. He says, God, search my heart. Examine my heart. Because I know your loving kindness is ever before my eyes. 
When we think about God's wondrous works, I can't help but think this morning that we must have an appreciation of God's grace, his loving kindness. You know, so many, I believe, are wandering and lost in sin today because they don't feel like they can come back to God. I've heard people say, but you don't know what I have done. Can I tell you the honest truth? I don't care what you've done. It's none of my business. God already knows, and he loves you, and he desires to save your soul today if you would just trust him. I'm not expecting any one person to walk this aisle today and say, Pastor, let me tell you all my sins and let me lay it out before you and maybe you can absolve me. Maybe you can uh, give me some sort of penance to take care of. No, the Bible says if we confess our sins to God, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. His loving kindness is always before us. Hey, by the way, that goes for not just the sinner, but it goes for the saint as well. I all too know well that saints can sin just as much. That we can stumble, we can fall, we can struggle. And we need the loving kindness of God. You say, how do you know that we're talking to David here? We're talking to a man who was after God's own heart and yet failed miserably. And yet God loved him and saved his life. Let me ask you today, do you know Christ? We'll just stop for a moment. Have you examined your heart? Have you let God examine your heart? I think that's the problem. Sometimes we examine our hearts. and go, yeah, I'm good enough. I'm doing, I'm doing, you know, I'm not as bad as that brother David Axler over there, man. I'm telling you. When I, when I compare myself to this guy or this lady or that fellow over there, I mean, I know some choir members I'm better than. Because we're so busy examining our own hearts. We need to follow the advice of David. Let him examine your heart. Let God examine your heart. And so I can't let God in. You will find in verse 3 that his loving kindness is ever before you. We should be thankful for his grace. Notice, secondly, we should be thankful for his goodness and appreciation of God's goodness. Look at verse 7 and 8. That I may publish with the voice of thanksgiving and tell of all thy wondrous works, Lord... I have loved the habitation of thy house and the place where thine honor dwelleth. David is speaking of God's house. He's talking about the place where God dwells. When I think of a home, I think of provision. David is saying, God, you've been so good to me. You've provided everything I need. God, I love being in your presence. I love receiving from your hand. I, I love all the many blessings that you've given me over and over. I have, I have delighted and, and I've loved the habitation of thy house and the place where thy honor dwelleth. L let me say this, friends. If you would just get into the presence of God, you will never regret it. God will bless you. And so if we're going to have a thankful heart today and expressing what we express is praise, we should be thankful for his wondrous works, have an appreciation for his grace and for his goodness. But I want you to notice in Psalm chapter 69, turn there, we're going to jump around the Psalms a little bit. Psalm chapter 69, we're talking about expressing his praise. We are thankful for his wondrous works, but we're also thankful for his wonderful name. It is a name above all names. It's at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. There is none other name given among men whereby we must be saved. It is the name of Jesus. 
Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We are thankful for today for his wonderful name. Look at Psalm chapter 69 and look with me at verse 30, just a couple verses. The Bible says, I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify him with thanksgiving. This also shall please the Lord better than an ox or bullock that hath horns and hoofs. You know, so here someone is coming. The sound of their name can invoke fear, joy, distress, indifference. What if I were to tell you today, hey, your, uh, your mother-in-law is coming to visit. For some, that just kind of makes your heart jump a little bit. I remember as a kid watching, I, I would tease my mother-in-law. As a kid watching the Flintstones. Everybody ever watched the Flintstones? Some of you lived it, right? You were, no. And I remember whenever Fred had to go to the airport to pick up his mother-in-law, he'd say over and over, remember what he said? I love my dear sweet mother-in-law. I love my... And so anytime I saw my mother-in-law, I'd say, I love my dear sweet mother-in-law. And she'd just laugh at me. But is there a name that you can think of right now that if I were to say that name, you would dread it? I, I won't name names, but how about a politician? How about a politician? If I were to say the name of some famous artist, perhaps you'd get excited. I've seen those videos where the Beatles came to North America and girls went crazy. Went absolutely lost their minds in just reverence and worship to that, that group. Incredible. A name will do so much. We can avoid it. We can embrace it. But the Bible says there's a name above all names. And at the name of Jesus. Oh, listen, not everybody likes the name of Jesus. Demons tremble at that name. The heathen rage at that name. The saint rejoices when we hear the name of Jesus. Psalm chapter 69, verse 30, the Bible says, I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify him with thanksgiving. Praise is coupled with thanksgiving. In other words, it is not just lip service, but it should be a reflection of our heart. I want you to notice when we praise the name of Jesus, it is pleasing to the Lord. Notice verse 31. This also shall please the Lord better than an ox or a bullock that hath hoofs and horns. What is David saying? He's saying it's better than sacrifice. He says, oh, he says, I need on the day of atonement, I need blood to be shed. And those sacrifices picture something that is going on. It pictures the future Jesus Christ coming as the Messiah and dying on the cross to pay the price of sin once and for all. And so sacrifice was necessary. But God says, I'd much rather have the name of God upon your hearts that you would praise me with your lips. It's far better. It's far better. He says, he says this also shall please the Lord better. Than an ox or bullock that hath horns and hoofs. It is not just pleasing to the Lord, it is preferred by the Lord. It is better, he says. I want you to notice also, uh, read verses, uh, sorry, Psalm chapter 116 says this I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. Think about this. David in Psalm chapter 30 says, I have the name of God upon my lips and it is better than the sacrifice of bulls and bullocks. But then he says this in Psalm chapter 116. 
He says, I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving. David is saying, no longer do I do it in substitute. Instead, it is my thanksgiving. It is my sacrifice. David has matured to the point. He says in the very next verse, in verse 18, I will pay my vows. I will still go and I'll observe the law and I will still offer sacrifices on the altar of the temple. Don't get me wrong. But David says, I have learned this. It's about having a relationship, not just religion. I will offer sacrifices of thanksgiving. I'll still pay my vows. Let me ask you, have you got there? We come to church and we say, well, we worship God today. Why? Because we sang a song? Because we prayed? Because we gathered? Are you at the point where you understand that worship comes from right here? It's not about an organized assembly singing a song. I grew up in this church. And I, 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 some of those hymns, I'm going to tell you what, I can sing them through backwards and forwards and not even know what they meant. It's a 5, 10, 12-year-old little boy with no understanding. I can sing those songs. 16, I can join a choir and I can sing them and not know a word they mean. I've just memorized them. David says, I'm beyond that. I'm to the point where the sacrifice of thanksgiving comes from my heart. It's way more important than these offerings and this religious stuff I'm doing. God knows my heart. Listen, I, I don't know if you've noticed, but for a long time I've been preaching, hey, it's about your heart. It's about your heart. It's about your heart. Anybody can say I'm a member of Bethel Baptist Church. Anybody can say I go to church faithfully. Anybody can say I help in a ministry. I, I teach a class. I run a bus. Doesn't matter what man says, what does God say about you when he sees your heart? When we are expressing our praise, it is a praise and a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Well, when we're going to have an attitude of thanksgiving, it should be when we're expressing our praise. Secondly, listen, it should be when we're entering his presence. When we're entering his presence. Have you ever known somebody? That every time they show up, you know they want something. Every time the phone rings, you know, oh, they want to borrow something. They need money. They're looking for a favor. I suppose that God gets tired of that too. We have not because we ask not. Bob says we're to cast all our cares upon him for he careth for you. But the Bible is very plain that when we enter his presence, we're to enter with thanksgiving. Have you praised him first? Have you thanked him first? Notice what the Bible says. Turn to Psalm, Psalm chapter 95. Psalm chapter 95. Look at verse 1. Oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence, listen, with thanksgiving. And make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In Psalm chapter 95, we see first of all an instruction. How are we to come? We are to come with the voice of thanksgiving. 
We are to enter his presence with thanksgiving. We come with so many things to God, don't we? We come with our griefs and our sorrows. We come with our sin and our baggage. We come with our hurts and our pains. We come with our wants and even our needs. There's nothing wrong with all that. But we are commanded to come with our thanksgiving. Are we worshiping God first? Are we thanking Him for who He is and what He has done? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. I remember several years ago, a young man had graduated Bible college, not from, not from our church. He popped in for a visit. And I said, would you open our service in prayer? And he said, hey God, hallowed be thy name. He is a holy God. I just, I don't know. It was like nails on a chalkboard for me. Hey God. He is a personal God and he loves us. And I'm not saying we need to talk to him in King James English. But I'm saying he's a holy God with a holy name. And when we come to him, we come to him with thanksgiving and praise upon our lips first. Before we ever lay out our burdens of our heart. By the way, he already knows your burdens. He already knows your needs. He knows your needs way better than you do. As a matter of fact, I am absolutely convinced that when you share a need with God, he probably wanted to bless you way more than what you asked for. And we limit God because of the lack of faith in our prayers. God, I got this problem. Yeah, I know. Here's the solution, God. If you give me $300, it'll take care of that problem. God said, oh, that's too bad. I was going to give you 1000 we, we limit God with lack of faith. Just cast your cares and see what he'll do. Let him take care of it. I'm getting off track here. I'm, getting, I'm preaching. I'm meddling. He gives us an instruction. Come with thanksgiving. But I want you to notice, don't overlook this. It's an instruction, but it's also an invitation. It's an invitation. Come. Come. I can't imagine any greater invitation in the world. Have you guys, have you ever turned down an invitation? Have you ever got an invitation in the mail and went, oh, I got to go to that thing. There's going to be people there. You ever done that? They're, oh, so-and-so is going to be there. Oh, David Patterson, I invited, I invited the Pattersons to come to Emily and Matt's wedding. And Brother Patterson came to me and says, thanks a lot, Pastor. And I thought I'd hurt his feeling. I said, what? And he goes, now my wife thinks she needs a new dress. <laughs> I said, well, bless the Lord. You should see the one I got to buy, brother. <laughs> He's a holy God who has invited us. He says, come, come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Let us enter boldly into the throne room of grace and ask for mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. What a great God. It's an invitation to the greatest place on earth to meet with the greatest person who ever lived, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, listen, you turn down a lot of invitations in this world, but let me implore you, do never, never turn down that invitation. Go to him, come to him, be with him. It's an invitation. 
I want you to notice some things about this invitation. Psalms chapter 100, I'm going to read some verses to you. Listen. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. Listen to the majesty of God. We are his people and the sheep of his pastures. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and is in truth endureth to all generations. That's a sandwich passage of scripture. It gives us some bread on the top. It says he is God. It is he that has made us. We are not our of our own. We are his people. The last piece of bread on the bottom says, for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And here's the meat in the middle. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. I want you to notice, first of all, it's a privilege that's been extended. It's a privilege extended. Listen, not everybody gets to go there. Not everybody gets to go there. Here, listen, you have to be family. You have to be family. What a wonderful thing to know that when I became a child of God, the middle wall of partition was torn down. That, that veil was rent in two. And now the child of God can go boldly into his presence, into that throne room, into that place where the Ark of the Covenant was. But today it's called the throne room of grace because of what Jesus did for you. It's a privilege that's been extended that we can enter into his courts with praise. It's a privilege extended, but I want you to notice this. It's a, a praise is expected. Enter his courts with thanksgiving. But enter, or enter into his gates with thanksgiving, enter into his courts with what? Praise. God deserves and desires to be praised. We are to enter into his presence with thanksgiving. And then I want you to notice that a prayer is encouraged. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may attain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. As we approach that throne humbly and on our face before God, we can pour out our burdens to him. He expects us to pray. He expects us to share our burdens, but he wants us to praise first. We are to have an attitude of thanksgiving when expressing his praise, when entering his presence. And this brings us to the third thing that I just spoke about, when engaging in prayer. When engaging in prayer. Are you thankful? Sometimes the, we treat, we treat uh, prayer like it's Walmart. We go just to get the things we need. I can't see any other reason to go shopping, can you? Some, some of you ladies like to go in and just walk around and come out with nothing after three hours. I don't, I don't get that. I don't go in if I don't need anything. But we treat God like Walmart. I'll come when I need something. I'll stop by when I'm hungry and need food. I'll stop by when I need clothing. I'll step by when I need to stimulate something in my home that, that has a need. I'll take care of one of my children or my family, but not until then. When engaging in prayer, we must be thankful. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says this, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2 says, Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. You say, what does that mean? It's talking about a night watchman. It's talking about setting guard over something. Continue in prayer, but watch. Guard that prayer with thanksgiving. Make sure you're careful to thank him. Make sure you're careful to praise him. 
as you pray. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Listen, if praise is to be coupled with thanksgiving, so should our prayers. They go hand in hand. Listen, let me, let me read this verse again. I've read it at the beginning and I've read it now. In everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. That's 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Does anybody know 1 Thessalonians 5.17? Somebody knows it. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. Prayer and praise go hand in hand. We're always thanking God. When we pray, I want you to notice that when we pray with thanksgiving, it reflects our attitude. It reflects our attitude. Number one, it points us to contentment. It points us to contentment. Tomorrow, maybe today, some of you are going to eat way too much turkey. Not one amen, but you're a bunch of liars. You're gonna, we're, we're all going to do it, right? I've got a plan. I'm telling you right now, I've got a plan. I'm trying to control my sugar. I'm trying to lose some weight. And I, I've been very successful so far. And I said, well, I'm just going to eat a little bit of turkey, and I'm going to stay away from the carbs, the potatoes, and all that. No, I'm not. Mom's going to have a raspberry pie. Right, Mom? Chocolate delight. Right, Mom? Apple pie. Amen? Who's coming? There's lots of room at the Fury House. Go on over. And I, I, I got this plan. I'm going, to take, I'm going to control myself, but I know I won't. I would like to say that when I'm done eating, I'm content. But how many of you know that after a meal like that, you're not usually content, you're usually hurting, laying on the living room floor, trying to get some relief? I'm, it's just what we do, Right? By the way, when two-thirds of the world is starving to death, thank God that he gives you that kind of bounty in Canada, that he's blessed us so much. It's about our attitude. Are you content? When we pray with thanksgiving, what happens is we begin to count our blessings. We begin to think about the mercies of God, not just the mercy of God. All the things that he has done for us. And as we pray and we reflect on those things, God gives us contentment in our heart. Philippians 4 verse 11 says, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 8, the Apostle Paul says, And having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. Hebrews 13 verse 5 says, Let your conversations be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Be content. And the point he makes there is, be content with what you have. Why? Because I'll never leave you. If you lose everything, you still have Christ. So we pray with thanksgiving. It promotes contentment. But I want you to think about this. It prevents carnality. It prevents carnality. We won't turn there for the sake of time. But Romans chapter 1. You read Romans chapter 1, you feel like you need a shower. It basically outlines the condition of our day. And by the way, not just our day, 
It's happened over and over again with every world empire after world empire. As, as a society goes deeper and deeper into sin, they say, well, what causes all that? Notice what it says in Romans chapter 1, verse 21. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Romans chapter 1 describes some of the most wicked, wicked sins ever known to man. And it says, here's why. Because when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were they thankful. That's how it starts. And they became vain in their imaginations. In other words, I don't need God. I'm good enough on my own. So I'm not going to thank him. I'm not going to praise him. I'm not going to acknowledge or glorify him as God. Oh, friends, don't ever leave church and say, well, they just praise God too much today. I think they're just, I think, I think they're just saying too much today. I think the choir spends too much time uh, singing praises to God. I, as that one song, the choir sings a song that's like seven or eight minutes long. I, boy, that's just a little bit long. I, no, no, no. The opposite is true. When we don't glorify him as God, we'll become unthankful in our hearts, and soon we'll be down that same path that a world is headed to today. Be thankful. Having an attitude of thanksgiving expressed in our praise when we enter his presence, when we're engaged in prayer, it comes down to our attitude. Let me ask you, what is in your heart? I thought of this phrase, and let's, let's practice this in our hearts and lives, that I may be overwhelmed with thanksgiving. You ever been overwhelmed? You ever sat in your pew and you've heard something and it just brings tears to your eyes, it breaks your heart, excites you? You want to bring glory to God? You want to praise? That's a moment of being overwhelmed with thanksgiving. Has it happened? Oh, we must check our hearts because that's where praise starts. That's where thankfulness starts, is having an added, the right attitude towards who God is and what he has done for us. Let's bow this morning with our heads bowed and eyes closed. We'll stand to our feet. God has spoke to your heart. Would you come? How is your attitude this morning? Do you have an attitude of thanksgiving? Can you honestly say, in everything I give thanks? But you don't know the trial I'm going through, preacher. No, I'm not really... Thankful for that thing that attacks you. But I know that in it we can give thanks to God. Maybe there's one here today say, Pastor, I'm not sure I'm saved. I don't know that I know this Christ that you talk about. I don't have a personal relationship with God. Is there one? I'd like to help you today. I'm not going to embarrass you. I won't call you out. But would you slip up your hand? Let me pray for you. Nobody's looking around. We're not here to hurt you. We're here to help you. There's some folks right now, I'm sure, that are praying for you right now. And asking God to show you your need of a Savior. We'll t- tell you what it says from the, the Word of God. We'll show you a Bible. 
and how it says you can know you have eternal life through Jesus Christ. Can we help you today?